Hello and welcome to another episode of A Brother's Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And to start the episode off today, we want to just have a quick request for you. If you just go ahead and press pause real quick, go over to whatever platform you're, you're listening to this on, and uh, subscribe to the to A Brother's Creed Podcast, to the channel there. Um, and leave us a comment if you would. I'm guessing maybe you've listened to other episodes, um, but you know it really would help uh, to promote the episodes, um, to to get us at the top of the charts, and to uh, really have other people really having that exposure to the episode. If you give us a rating as well, that'd be fantastic because we appreciate your support and that helps us uh, get more street cred and, and others can see us as well. Yeah, we got to play that algorithm. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, thank you too to our uh, first Patreon supporter. You know who you are. We really appreciate the support. Um, you know, it that person has has access to two additional episodes per month that are not released to the public, as well as um, you know the the archive from uh, going backwards to to this point and everything in, in the future. So, thank you for supporting us. And you can go to the link in the description as well for our uh, Patreon page. Yeah, uh, please support us in that if you can. Uh, and you can get that extra content and uh, our extra episodes, which are great episodes, by the way. Those are some of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I had somebody tell me the other day, man, I really want to listen to the episode on treasure hunting. It's like, it's like go subscribe. Go subscribe. And support us. So um, anyway, uh, today we have a great episode. Uh, we're talking about understanding memory and improving our memory. It's such an interesting piece uh, to talk about and to discuss about how our minds work and where things are stored and how they're stored. And so we're going to talk about that today and kind of dive a little bit deeper into the details and talk about maybe ways that you can improve your memory. So, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done! Okay, let's go ahead and dive in here. Um, like I said, today we're talking about memory. So the, one of the, the first things when we talk about memory is really there are kind of several main processes that occur in memory. The first is, first you have to acquire the information, store the information, retain the information, and then later retrieve it. So you can basically bake the, uh, break those down into three main parts, encoding, storage, and retrieval. Uh, really, the, the encoding is how you take in that information. So there's four primary ways to take in uh, information from around us. First is the visual encoding, so how something looks. So, you know, first time you see your wife or your as a girlfriend, you're like, wow, she's stunning. So... You know, obviously that imprints in your mind, you know, or if you see something horrific like a plane crashing into the Twin Towers or something like that, you know, that's etched in everybody's mind, you know, or you ever see like, you ever, you know, someone's like, oh man, like I got hurt and then they, they show you a picture of like <laughs> their, their, what, what happened to them and then you're like, oh, why'd you show me that? Now that's etched in my mind. <laughs> yeah. You're like, now mine hurts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the first way. The second one is acoustic encoding so how something sounds obviously uh have you ever 
had any memories of just sound? Sometimes a sound will just throw you back. Yeah, um, and I don't have any specific example of sound. I have one. We'll probably get there, but like uh, smell. I have I have a couple memories of like that's the next smell, one. Smell, yeah. The sound one. I do have one of those. So my wife was showing me this TikTok video this evening, and she was like, "Oh, look at this video!" And it was something about like <laughs> the caption was like, "My two year my f- like two year old trying to tell me something," and it's the song. It's like, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh!" I there was like a song in Mexico when I was on my mission in Mexico. And it was basically that. It was like, it was like, shakarom, shakarom, shakarom. And I was just like, this is the most awful thing in the entire world. And I heard that song so many times that like, he, like whenever she showed me the TikTok video and I just heard the song, my mind just like was taken back to all that annoying song that I heard all the time. And I was just like, ugh. Actually, <laughs> I actually do have one. Uh, it's a song related one too. What was it? The Coldplay song, like Vita something. Viva la Vita. Uh, like, um, dun, dun, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida. I think yeah. that's what it was. But every time I All hear right, that song, it, go it goes, uh, "I used to rule the world." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I hear that song, I think of a specific car ride coming back from. It was like my senior trip to Myrtle Beach, and my friend and I were driving back, and like I, I just can feel like the windows are down. It's a summer. It's nice outside, and we're just like just cruising home. And singing that song, and like every single time I hear that song, I'm brought back to the exact same memory. And so, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. What's that song? It says every time I hear that song, I go back. You know, yeah, to the feel of a, a fifty yard line, whatever the song says, a country song. But yeah, so that's one way that we encode things. Uh, so the next way is tactile encoding. Oh, excuse me. First, let's. Uh, there, there's tactile encoding, which is how something feels. Uh, how, um, you, you know, the softness of something or how, uh, you know, I don't know of any memories that I can think of how something feels. Maybe just like a soft, I can't quite think of how things feel. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe First time I... making love to a woman. <laughs> you remember how that feels? <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> memory remembered. Okay, memory remembered. Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, the next one. Well, talk about your your olfactory uh, sense. So your smell. How does that help you remember? Oh yeah. Um, it. I, I, I can't remember now. I I got to talking about the other one and I complete. It's completely gone. So if I remember sense, it, I'll bring it back. So up. your sense of smell and remembering something. I'm trying to think if I can. Um. Sometimes, uh, oh, sometimes I, if I hear, oh, you go ahead. I remember sure. one. So I remember as a kid, uh, one time I threw up, I got sick and threw up and, um, I, I get mom or dad or whatever, cleaned it up with Lysol, but it wasn't like the like scented Lysol. It was like old school Lysol. That's like, Pine yeah, it was like, it did, but didn't have any, like didn't have a good scent. It just has a very distinct scent to it. And I remember like I, I smelt it whenever they're cleaning it up and every time I throw up, I associate that smell, like every time I throw up, I'm like, for some reason, I smell that smell. I'm like, I didn't even use that to clean it up. And then going the other way around, I smelt that smell uh, like uh, like a year ago, and it almost made me sick. Huh. Just because it was Association. like... Association. Yeah, because that's what it like cleaned, I don't know, they cleaned it up with. And it was like, every time I smell it, I mean, I don't actually get sick, but it's just like, I take it back to that memory, and I'm like, oh, I remember. So here's the thing. Um... 
and uh, this is not to say that I think about other women, if my wife ever listens to this episode, but uh, sometimes if I smell a girl's perfume, sometimes it will remind me, I'm like, oh, that smells familiar. And like sometimes I can't, I, at this point, I can't place who it was that I knew that smelled like that, but I'm like, I knew a girl that used to smell like that, you know? And uh, I've forgotten all prior girls before my wife, but I know that, oh, I used to date a girl that smelled like that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the powerful ones, I think. Um, so what's interesting is that while information typically enters in, in via one of these methods, the form in which the information is stored may differ from its original encoding. So the way that it was originally encoded. So sometimes you can have a memory and um, whatever you ingested it, sometimes you can remember it just via a song because that song was playing on the radio or something like that. Um so there are two types of memory widely known. Uh, one is the short-term memory. So that is really 15 to 30 seconds. So like in your short-term memory, you're like, that's when you're kind of memorizing short numbers, like entering your your credit card number into the thing. Like, duh, 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 duh. Um, oh, usually it's only between five and nine items. And with an average of seven, it's 15 to 30 seconds. So um, the shortest, uh, there are some studies that have done that argue that the information that is encoded acoustically is primarily the shortest uh, and primarily stored in short-term memory uh, and is only kept there through the constant repetition or rehearsal. So things that you hear. Yeah, are typically only only encoded. Uh, Or acoustic acoustic information is only short-term. And so long-term is the other one. Now, well, let me actually talk about this other one. So there's this other one that's kind of in between the two, and sometimes say it's one, sometimes say it's not there, but this is called what they call working memory. So working memory is often confused with short-term memory, and this is memory, it's a kind of a go-between, short-term and long-term memory. Uh, and the memory is used for memorizing information and using it later for a task of, of, or completion. Um, so that's kind of you can sometimes find that they argue that's the in-between. So then there's the long-term memory and the capacity for that is limitless or uh, not not limitless because the brain is finite, but it is immense. Uh, The semantic information is primarily stored there. So semantic uh, information is how you feel about something or what the meaning is. So like when you take in the meaning of that, um, so if you like speak you know, rudely to your girlfriend in high school and she's like, I'm dumping you. And you're like, oh man. And you're like, really internalize that. And you're like, if I mean to my wife or if I mean to women, they'll not want to be around me. And then, so that's like, you internalize that meaning and that's what sticks around for a long time. Yeah. I, I think I shared this quote before one time, but a quote that I really like is it says, information without emotion is forgotten. Yep. Um, that, that being able to emotionally tie or ha- have an emotional tie to a memory will help kind of cement that in your mind. Um, and, and you'll easily be able to draw back on that specific time, you know, and I've had some of those, you know, personal emotional times where I'm like, man, I really remember that. Or I remember that specific time, or I can like just stop and think about it. Or every time I tell the story, I, I could think about it and I remember it. So, yeah. In fact, I was, I was teaching, um, I was asked to teach it at a, like a, as a guest lecturer the other day about storytelling and data analytics. Um, I don't know if it, if our listeners know, but my background is in finance and in uh, data science. And so I was asked to, to speak to a, a group of college kids about um, 
data analytics and storytelling. And so one of the things I was talking about is how when you tell a story through data and through uses of data, you need to bring up some emotion with it and tell the story and not just share the data to say, oh, look, uh, sales went up 10% and then uh, our EBITDA went down 15%. You know, it's just like you have to actually tell a story because those that emotion is going to stick longer with it. So if I'm telling a story about a customer who went through a difficult time and difficult issue, I tell the story, I hook them in with that emotion, and then I can sh- dump the data on them so that they're like, oh, okay. And, and I show them the insights from the data so that they associate that story so that when they walk away from the meeting, they remember that story that I told them. And then they're like, yeah, that story. Because they're not going to remember what percentages or this or that or this. Um, but they'll remember the story and how they felt. And so that's one important thing to do when you're telling stories or, or to tell stories when you're presenting. One of the next pieces here, so it's interesting how, you, how we retrieve different information. So short-term memory is retrieved in the order in which it was stored. So if you're memorizing something quickly, then you're like, okay, you're writing it, then, then you're going to recall it back in that same order. Like if someone just tells you their phone number, you're going to repeat it back in the same order. You can't repeat it backwards or something. Uh, and then the long-term memory is retrieved through association. So for example, remembering where you parked your car, you can often go through the same exit in the department store to know, oh, this is the part of the mall I parked my car at. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting piece uh, about how we recall those. Now, there's one, uh, there, there was an interesting study done uh, it, that, that by a guy man, uh, named Herman Ebighaus. Uh, probably butchered his last name, uh, but he did a, lot, a bunch of conditioning experiments. And what he was doing is mem- he was memorizing, like practicing, like just random words that, like letters put together. So like fo, fa, ti, tum, ton, and like he would just like memorize these different things, uh, and then he would check his memory over the time. So he developed what was, and this is in 1885. He developed what's known as the Eden Ebengas forgetting curve and uh, this curve is kind of a a forgetfulness curve which shows uh, you know at the time of remembering and recollection you can remember 100% but then over time uh, your recollection of those those facts and those nonsensical things that he was remembering that decreases uh, down to obviously to zero at the end and he said so he figured out that it was a function. Uh, this is one of his quotes. He says, not all memories follow the forgetting curve uh, as there could be various other factors in play, such as noise and other environmental factors. Because of their influence on what inf- information is remembered, not all memories are affected by detrimental effects of interference. So he said that th- the two factors at play here are uh, the time elapsed and the learner's memory strength. So it just depends on how good of a remember you, how good of a memory you have, and like and how much time has passed. Yeah. So and it's hard to say like, oh, you know what? Five hours, it's sixty percent down because it's different for every person because every person has a different memory capacity and a different ability to remember. So uh, that's a very cool thing. We'll, we'll share a, a maybe a chart on Instagram about that. Uh, so you can maybe a test. So you can you can do your own uh, uh, Ebbinghaus memory forgetting curve on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure there's some sort of, I mean, diminishing return type thing where it's like, you know, after a certain amount of time that it just falls off. 
Yeah. And memory is a really interesting thing. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to be able to memorize stuff. Like that was like what I was known for in, in school. I mean, I, I, I could memorize like crazy and it was so easy. What's funny is that, uh, my six year old is the same thing. I mean, he can memorize stuff and you repeat it to him a couple of times and, and he's got it and he'll, he'll, he'll just repeat it back to you. And so it's interesting because I, I'm not that way anymore. Like I remember I did a, um, I was doing a, um, this was maybe three or four years ago. I was asked to do a part in a Christmas, uh, play thing that where I was like playing Joseph. Yeah. And I had like, I had like two lines, right. Where I had to get up there and I had to say like two sentences and I had it like, I had it memorized, you know, but then I got up there and I was just like, well, I didn't have enough time, whatever. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so I just like, I got like halfway through it and I was like panicked. And I, and then I had to like look at my cards and be like, and, and, and like read it <laughs> off the cards. It was like two sentences. I was like, why couldn't, and then I got done with that and I was like, why couldn't I memorize two sentences? Yeah. And it was, it wasn't like I was in front of a million people. I mean, there's probably 50 people there and everything, but, um, it That's was a lot of people. Like, to choke like that. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and like 90% of the people knew, knew who I was too. So it was oh, like, geez. um, but it, it was fine and it was, uh, it was a good situation and, and I, it was kind of a last minute thing, but you know, th- that just kind of made me think of, and I, th- I was thinking about it today is that, you know, why is it that, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but you know, why is it that I feel like my memory is not as good as it used to be? Yeah. That's interesting. One, one thing that, uh, was <laughs> a funny thing is when I was in high school, I sucked at Spanish. And I, what's funny is I was like, I'm never going to use Spanish. And then I ended up going to Mexico for two years and speaking only Spanish. But uh, before, when I was in high school, that was my worst class. And I was basically, I think I was getting a D at one point, which was like unacceptable in our household. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I don't know how to conjugate any of these verbs, but I do know how to memorize words. So I just took the vocabulary and memorized all the vocab words so that I would know exactly what the vocab words were because that was easy, but I could, so that I could kind of get an idea of what the sentence was saying. <laughs> you don't have to conjugate it. If you I just knew, have to know. Yeah, if the, I knew all the vocab words, then I would get like a decent score on the test, at least like a maybe 70%, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was taking the, I was just playing on my strengths there. Um, but uh, just a few more things. So the reasons why we forget are uh, when memories are rarely accessed, they decay over time. So kind of like that movie Inside Out, you know, all the memories get sent to long-term storage. And yeah, then after like, a while, they're just like, oh, do we need this anymore? No, I'm like this, this hasn't been pulled out forever. So they suck it up in the tubes and it goes into the pit of forgetfulness, you know? So that's, that's really kind of interesting. Um, but when we do touch those memories and we do bring those things up, uh, they can um, be remember them better. And so uh, also things, interference with other memories sometimes, uh, like calling someone by the wrong name just because they look like someone else. Sometimes that can uh, cause us to forget things. So I'm, I'm sure that you, one time in your life, you, well, if you or if you have more than one kid, you've probably done this. <laughs> My brain is mush after having all these kids. That's probably why that your was, brain is mush. <laughs> that, that was one thing that I said at the very end. I said, I used to be able to memorize like paragraphs. Now I can't even remember my freaking kids' names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously, man. Oh man, and yeah, um, and the last one is failing to store it in the first place. So, uh, or or forgetting things due to traumatic events. So there's a certain events uh, in our lives that can occur that are traumatic. You know, 
abuse or, or different things that can occur that can make you forget things or you can your memory just blots those out so that you can continue to go on in life and not have that trauma even though that trauma still seems to come forward one thing I think is really interesting too and this hap- happens to me and I think everybody does it to a certain extent but a lot of times we look back on memories and even if like two people were there together and they experienced it at the same time their memories are completely different or they can be completely different. And a lot of times people, you know, I, and, and like I said, I'm guilty of this. I'll look back and, and I'll like embellish memories, right? You'll kind of like, yeah. you don't really remember it exactly. So you kind of put your own fluff in it as you're telling the story. And then, um, that's how tall tales happen. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because, um, I was listening or I, I, we were in a conversation the other day and it was me and two other people and one of the people that I was with said something and or told a story. And the other person was like, wait, that's my story. And the person was like, no, 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 that happened to me. And the other person was like, no, 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 that happened to me. And it's just like, I mean, they were husband and wife. And so it just kind of like, and it's been like so many years. It's kind of like, I don't, your stories match together. Yeah, yeah. Whose story is that really? It's like the, the memory is, is almost changed. They've become one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's that's totally true. Is like you just create these tall tales and these things in your mind and just expand it, expand the story. Yeah, it's part of creating legends. You know, that's how oral history gets passed down. That's why you know you get these things that have maybe a shred of truth, but you know, back going back all the way. I think another thing that's interesting about memory is I was looking in here and just talking about like eyewitnesses and stuff and how eyewitnesses like when they identify people. It's very hard, like almost it's unbelievable because, and, and one thing that's interesting about that is there's something called racial blindness. And what that is, is that if people like, let's say, uh, I think it happens. Well, it just happens people outside of their race. They have a di- more difficult time recognizing differences in, in facial features uh, with a race that is not their own. Uh because or or a race that that they are not commonly associating with, so you know, for example, and I I saw this when I was in when I, before I went to Mexico, I had kind of racial blindness and that I couldn't really tell very many nuanced differences between how one uh, Mex Latino guy looked and the other Latino guy looked. They just looked both Latino, they had dark hair and brown skin. But once I was in there and I was like. You know, I was there for two years. Two years in Mexico, and I got to really—I was the only white guy around. So I, it's like that went away. But uh, that happens a lot of times, especially with crimes and stuff, because you know people don't know—you know what—they don't know the features, and they're blind to that, and they don't know how old someone is because different races look different when they age too. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I had the same thing, the same experience when I went to Chile. Um, I was in northern part of Chile, which was basically borders Peru and Bolivia. And, um, you know, when you first get there, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but if you don't have the exposure, everyone kind of looks alike. But then you you really get to know these people and you get to know the language. And, and then, you know, after a, a little bit of time there, you know, I, I could have said, oh, well, that person's from Peru and that person's from Bolivia and that person's a Chilean. And, and I wouldn't be right 100% of the time, but most of the time. And I mean, I think that's kind of cool. You kind of represent your, your country by the, well, way, also the, by accents, the way you look. Yeah. yeah and the yeah. accents and stuff too. But, um, but also like the, the way that you talk changes your face. Like if you look at British people, you can tell that they're British 
because of their teeth, <laughs> but also because of the way their jaw is, because they speak differently. Yeah, and I would say, you know, they, they sometimes people talk, yeah, with maybe more the back of their throat versus the their the front of their their mouth, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think they're definitely gonna have a chance. Um, I was gonna say, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Go ahead, uh-huh. keep going. It'll, it'll come uh, back. About I've had memory, that, that's yeah. happened to me twice today. So <laughs> this episode on memory is, is going to help me out. <laughs> so I uh, just I had uh, two stories on, on memory uh, I wanted to share. So one is I've always heard that soccer players uh, get brain injuries and they can have memory loss. And so there was a study that was done that's that by Lipton, and he says that mild brain dam mild brain changes and memory impairment similar to what is seen in concussions uh, was seen in players who headed the ball. 1,550 times or more per year. And then those who were doing it 1,800 times per year had the worst memory loss. And so uh, they said that if you're like under like 1,000 times a year, then you're probably okay. You're like not so bad. But uh, heading the ball and basically jarring your head like that, because when you play soccer, they said that you could hit that ball anywhere from like 6 to 12 times a game. And so if you're hitting that ball and your brain is basically getting sloshed back and forth, that creates uh, damage to your prefrontal cortex. I've never even thought about that. But, yeah, I mean, there's no protection. There's no anything, especially if somebody, like, you know, punts a ball. or I mean, that ball is is hard. Can, 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 can be very end. hard, and yeah. it can be flying pretty fast, too. So, I mean, you just think about boxing, too. I mean, just look how dumb Mike Tyson is. <laughs> oh, geez. We're going to have a hit out on us. <laughs> I mean, that has been punched silly, man. But seriously, like, what was that? The That was the whole plot of what, Rocky Five Is that his brain was so damaged that he... Yeah, he couldn't fight anymore. And they said, if you fight, then you're going to have severe brain damage. And then he fought Tommy Gunn. Well, and then yeah, he fought but... again in Rocky, Rocky Balboa. But he was old. It was like, if I go brain dead at this point, then... He's got a good life insurance policy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, those are some uh, things. Oh, one story about personal story I wanted to share. Uh, and this is about brain dumps. So uh, when you're thinking about doing tests, uh, there's a methodology called like a brain dump. And a lot of tests will allow you to have a scratch sheet of paper. And so when you're doing something that has a lot of formulas and stuff, it's you can re- this method is like really good. So when I use this a lot in college and when I had like, and this is my undergrad, when I had uh, more of like memorizing formulas and stuff, specifically in my statistics and economics classes, I would just memorize all these formulas, memorize all these formulas, and then before the test, I would just have them all in my mind. I would walk into the testing center. Don't talk to, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I would study, 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 study. I would probably study for five hours before the test. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Walk into the testing center, sit down, and then just dump all the formulas and everything I knew on a piece of paper, and then I could take the test. And then I could reference back to that piece of paper and so some some places are like no brain dumps, you know. I took the series seven, and they're like no brain dumps, and, and it was like a that's a FINRA test for financial advisors, and they're like no brain dumps, you can't do that. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, if you're in college and you give a scratch sheet paper, definitely do that because it's a really a cool way to uh, dump out that all that information and use that almost as like a reference. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you for listening to this episode, and invite you to support us on Patreon. As a loyal supporter, you will get exclusive access to two additional episodes per month, which are not released to the public. You can find the link to our Patreon page in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. Interesting. 
So, so that it, leads into the next part. Yeah, how so, can we improve our memory? So we've talked about understanding memory. Um, now we want to talk about how to uh, both maintain memory and improve memory. Um, so really, memory is kind of the, it's kind of the foundation of who we are, right? We are are we are defined by our experiences, and that defines us because we remember those experiences. You know, if you touch the stove and it's hot, or yeah, if you touch top of the stove and it's hot then you're not going to want to do it again because you remember that pain. Um, so really, memory is the foundation of who we are. Um, but this means that as we get we get older, we have the tendency, people have the tendency to kind of, that memory starts to wane a little bit. Um, and really, it has a potential of, the a study that I looked at a Harvard study was talking about how it it can uh, represent like a loss of self, right? If you're if you're kind of losing your memory, um, and concerns about declining thinking and memory skills rank the highest among the fears of uh, people over the age of thirty, which is kind of interesting. Over the age of thirty, yeah. So really? yeah, wow. I mean, just saying, you know, I, I'm. I'm concerned about, it wasn't the highest, but it said it was among the top fears of uh, people of the age of 30 that were just like, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I am not as sharp as I once was. Um, so, I don't know. So, uh, wow. a couple of those things, you know, there's, there's all different types of things that can cause uh, injury or damage or symptoms of memory loss. You know, you can have anything from, you know, a, a traumatic brain injury where you have a, you hit your head one time maybe really hard or a lot of times um uh, like in soccer of, yeah like <laughs> really a lot hard, of times yeah. maybe not that hard not as hard or the concussions with like the NFL and stuff yeah for sure uh, um you know you have things like alzheimer disease and and dementia that maybe are more um uh f- physical and, and and mental in nature um i remember one time so our, our great uh great grandma meme she um she was like 96 or 97 years old when she passed away but i remember she was she was getting close to that age she was in her early to mid 90s and she didn't have alzheimer she she didn't really have dementia really but i remember one time we were sitting on the couch i was it was me and and mama and then my who's my great grandmother and then my grandma who who was sitting on the couch well and we were just talking with Mama, and she was telling us a story, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, and we just we just put that back porch on the house, and it's so nice, and we like to sit out there in the summer, and and you know, and and just enjoy the weather and enjoy nature and everything." And and I was like, I looked at my grandma, and I was like, "Did Mama did Mama put a porch on her house?" And she was like, "No, that was thirty years ago." And huh. it was just interesting because Mama was living it like it was like yesterday. I mean, and it was, and there was, there was a couple times like that and talking with grandma, she was kind of like, yeah, you know, she, she kind of loses track of time sometimes. Well, I, yeah. Well, I think that sometimes it, like when you're old, you have, every day is just like the last day. Yeah. And so whenever you're, if you've ever been in a situation like that where every day is so repetitive, the time just bleeds all together and, and it, there's no differentiation in time. It's just like, you know, oh, this is... It just cha- it warps it almost. Yeah, and so I mean, what what really causes some people to lose their memory while other people stay, you know, sharp as a tack? Uh, so I kind of dug into that a little bit. Um, I, I I think 
there's kind of two reasons, right? Genetics play a, a certain role uh, in, in memory loss and retention. And, and um, you know, you had kind of mentioned earlier, like your memory capacity. Each person kind of has their own memory capacity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so you have genetics play a role, but also so do our choices. Uh, our choices play a role in our in our memory as well. Um, so how do we... Um, and I'll go through some of those choices in a little bit whenever I talk about um, how to protect our memories. So uh, how do we improve memory um, and, and remember better, let's say? Uh, so to me, when I was thinking about memory, memory really is closely tied to focus and concentration. Um, for me, I, I get distracted very easily. And so, you know, if I'm... I don't know, if I'm working on my computer, will I have the TV on and then watching a YouTube video on my phone and then my kids are running around crazy and my wife is trying to talk to me about dinner, I'm not going to remember much of anything of what's going on. <laughs> you spread uh, way too thin. Yeah, and so, and so memory and concentration uh, and focus for me was something to think about. So uh, how to improve memory. The first one, uh, and these are, I'm just going to kind of go through a couple of these. First one was focus your attention, uh, work, or maybe in the case of if you're you're studying, um, work in a place free of distractions such as TV, music, um, or, or other diversions that might distract you. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting is avoid uh, cramming. This was specifically talking about studying, um, how kind of like studying an hour a day. Um, you know, building up to a test mm -hmm. is a lot, you know, let's say studying an hour a day for five days before you get to a test is better than studying five hours a day or five hours for one day before the test. Yeah. Now, I think that's different. I think if you really want to do good, then you study an hour five days before and then <laughs> and then the day before you have kind of a, a heavy day as well, you know. Well, it depends on you... the kind of information you're trying to remember, right? Yeah. Like with the forgetfulness curve. If you're trying to remember facts and, and formulas and stuff like that, you need to remember that right before. But if you're trying to remember like principles and things like that, and like you, that's where the, like maybe the more long-term stuff comes in. Yeah, and I, I um, this this brought me back whenever I was um, doing a biology degree. I was taking you take general chemistry one, general chemistry two, organic chemistry one, and organic organic chemistry two. And really, each one kind of builds on top of each other. And so, you know, Gen Chem 1 was kind of, you know, it was all the basics and everything. And then 2 just kind of built on that. And then you had to, you had to have that memory. And then 3, when I, or when I got to organic chemistry 1, it was kind of like, it, it was really hard to try to relearn everything if you didn't know it from the two prior classes. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I could study for 10 hours before a test, but if I hadn't studied or, or, or really paid attention in the other two courses, then it just really builds on top of each other. Um, so that was kind of a, a little bit of memory. So, so avoid cramming in situations where, um, you know, it's better to, to spread it out. Uh, another one, and this was for me important, was structure and organization. Uh, organization helps you group like like topics together, uh, and helps you remember those those specific things. Um, and, and just personally for me, uh, I've noticed this too: is that 
and I kind of go through these phases. I went through a phase at work that was like a it was like a sticky note phase, and I was just like, oh, that's important. I got to write down, and then I like write it down, and then I put the sticky note on my monitor, and then. I was because I was trying to figure out what works best, but then I had like fifty sticky notes on each monitor, and I'm like, oh, which one was that? Which one was that? I'm like <laughs> pulling these off and trying to figure out what, where the heck I was. Um, and then you know I, I switched tactics and, and tried to get more organized and said, okay, well I'm going to move to you know a a, a, a note a two two notebooks where I had one notebook was a uh, this is what you need to know kind of a training notebook, and another notebook was a, a to do list. And this is what I need to get done and prioritize. Yeah. And, and, and that's that significantly helped me to not forget things. Yeah, making to-do lists is huge. Like if, I, if I feel like my mind is, is occupied and I'm stressed, I'm like, oh, I got so much to do. I make a to-do list and just like write out all the things. And that way I can, crossing them off is therapeutic. And also just like putting all that stuff on paper. Now I don't have to have it in my head. Yeah, that that happened to me the other day. Um, with the podcast stuff, you and I were talking about, this was, I don't know, a couple months ago, but you and I talked about an episode that we wanted to do and we had kind of, we were talking on the phone and we planned out this episode and, um, and then I got distracted and we planned out, okay, well, I'm gonna talk about this. You're gonna talk about that or whatever else. Um, and then I didn't get to actually doing some research or looking into it until like, I don't know, four days later. Cause I got into other stuff and then I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I was like, what did we talk about? I'm like, yeah. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I'm just like, oh, dude. And then luckily I had, whenever we were talking, I had just scribbled down some quick notes. And then uh, I was able to like, I found those and I was like, oh, okay. I remember yeah. I remember exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then there's been other times where, you know, I think, I think you've done it too. We're yep. calling the other person and we're like, what are we doing again? <laughs> yeah, totally. Because you talk about so many things. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, one funny story about uh, um, you, the monitor thing with the sticky notes. When I was first out of college, I worked at a very small uh, investment advisory shop. And, and it was just me and the portfolio manager and uh, the secretary, basically. And, and this was like very small, very... And I was like... Um, I went up to the guy. I was like, hey, we have about 300 clients. We're managing all their portfolios, their 401ks. How are we keeping track of the of the allocation of each one of these clients? Uh, it's necessary. I mean, for compliance purposes, you have to keep track of what everybody's allocated to because you can't. You have to make prudent suggestions based off of their allocations and what their allocation should be. And he's like, "Oh, you see these sticky notes around my monitor? That's how I'm keeping track." <laughs> and it's like his monitors look like sunflowers. They just had sticky notes all. And I'm like. We have 300 clients. <laughs> and this is like, this. I mean, this is for an advisory shop. It's small fries to have 300 clients. I mean, this is 300 small clients. But I'm like, dude. And so I had like, I built out like a, like an Excel way for him to manage all the, the accounts and stuff like that. But I was like, oh my gosh, this place is going to get shut down. <laughs> Seriously, I hope we don't get audited. Yeah, exactly. That's why I left um, nine months later. <laughs> so, uh, so we talked about organization. Another one uh, is use... Uh, uh, pneumatic devices. So for example, like, um, you know, if you want to remember, um, uh, North, North, uh, never eat soggy waffles. Yeah. yeah north, East, Southwest, right. You would think of a compass, never eat soggy waffles or never, ever smoke weed. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's what I always think of when everything, okay. You know, which way is East, which way is North and, and, and West, whatever. So that's a pneumatic device to help you kind of just remember something like that. And always Please excuse with my dear aunt Sally. That was another one. 
Which one was that? Order of Operations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then there's one for like the planets that, I can't remember what it was, something about oatmeal. I don't know. Oh. Um, so uh, another one is elaborate and rehearse. So repetition. Uh, repetition is always good when you're trying to remember something specifically. Um, visualize concepts. We we talked about that. Uh, one thing, that an example of this is I taught a, a Sunday school class to like seven-year-olds, and we were studying the New Testament, or the Old Testament for that year. And it, it's really cool. The Old Testament is like full of stories, right? It's just story after story after story after story. And when I first started teaching them, we would like, you know, read the scriptures out of the Old Testament. And these kids, like at the end of the class, you'd say, well, what did we learn today? And they'd just kind of be like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Right? So I kind of switched my tactic, and I there was a, a, um, a chalkboard in the room, and I would draw the story um, of, you know, I don't know, the, 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 the walls of Jericho when they fell down, you know, I drew the walls of Jericho and, the, and then the, the, the armies marching around it and around it and everything. Yeah. And then, and so I changed it to where I was drawing these diagrams of what was going on. And this guy went here and there went there. And then at the end of the lesson, I would say, well, what'd you guys learn today? And they could tell me the story back and they could say, Oh, well this happened and this happened and that happened. And so just the visualization, um, you know, well, people learn in different ways, v- visual learners versus, uh, people have to sometimes people have to do something to learn it. So there's, lot, but that's that's a good, a good example. Yeah. Um, so relating new information to things that you already know, um, and then reading out loud was another suggestion. Uh, this helps you both uh, read it, but also hear it at the same time. Um, like my six year old was reading and he read a couple pages of a book, and I go, okay, well, well, what did it say? Explain it to me. And he was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. And this was, you know, a while ago. He's just kind of starting to get his reading down and stuff. And um, then I said, well, okay, we'll read it out loud. And then he went back and he read it out loud, and then he was able to explain it to me a little bit better. Yeah, see, th- th- that's one thing I have a question about, though. I'd like you hear th- thoughts on this. Is that when you read out loud or you're reading in your mind, that seriously slows down your pace of reading. And so, like... Those two people who are speed readers or who can read super fast, they don't like, they don't say the words in their mind. So when I read, I say the words in my mind, but like as I'm reading it. But like speed readers, like my wife, she reads so much and she reads tons of books. She doesn't, she just goes and she just looks over. Like her eyes are faster than her mind can think. That's why we, that's why uh, when we listen to like, like usually when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm listening to it on 2x speed or something like that. If, especially if the per- ter- person talks really slow. Uh, sometimes it's just 1.5. But uh, that can make a big difference. Like you can understand it quickly because your mind goes fast. But like when you're reading, if you're tr- trying to sound out the words in your mind, that's slowing you down. So I wonder if that teaching that practice to kids is a good thing. It might be a good thing for understanding, but I wonder if it's a good thing, uh, a good habit to be in because it'll slow you down in reading. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm a really slow reader. I, I, I like to read, but the thing is, I'm just so slow at reading. And and mm-hmm. I think it's because, well, I may be just a slow reader, but regardless. But uh, I think one of the reasons why is that like when I read something, I like want to read it with a highlighter in my hand. Yeah. And I, I want to read for context. And a lot of times I'll read something, and if I don't understand exactly what it was saying, then I'll go back and I'll read the same paragraph again. Yeah. And 
and so I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. Like for some, me, like when I, when I I read like so thoroughly, like when I read, I'm like, man, there's a lot of spelling errors in that book. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> like I, I should start marking these and like send it to the editor or something because like that's how thorough I read books. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. So that was some ways on how to improve your memory and and how to remember things better. So here are some some proven ways to help protect the memory that you have, um, and and to basically. Uh, keep yourself in a state where you're not uh, decaying. Those memories aren't decaying. So, uh, one is a, a healthy diet, I'm sure that makes regular a big, exercise. That makes a big difference. Yep, regular exercise, non not smoking, uh, keeping your blood pressure, your cholesterol, and your blood sugar in check. Um, meditation can be something that can improve so, memory. So, all those first things you basically mentioned, that's just being healthy, eating yep. healthy. Yep, being, that's such a big, big, huge difference. I think physical health has a lot to do with mental health or vice versa. You know, mental health has a lot to do with your physical health. Yep. Um, meditation, uh, getting enough sleep. Next is... Uh, we had talked about the, the Russian sleep experiment. Yeah. If you haven't listened to episode three, go Hall- back and... Halloween, Halloween episode. Halloween special. Go back and listen to that one. Ethan talks about the Russian sleep experiment. Very good. People do crazy things when they when they're tired. And We're going to do another sleep. Halloween episode this year, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes. Um, so next one is is living a mentally active life uh, is important as well. So uh, always challenging yourself. Like we had talked about um, learning a language. Uh, you talked about Spanish. You know, I was in the same thing. I was in the same boat. In I actually uh, was failing Spanish in high school, and it's like Spanish one. And the Spanish teacher called mom and came in. We had a parent-teacher conference, and the lady was like, "Look, Ethan's gonna fail Spanish this year." And I had to do after-school like Spanish classes for like three months just so I could make a C in the class. Right? I had did mom. I had a tu- mom got me a tutor, a Spanish tutor. We met at the library, and she was like teaching me Spanish. Yeah. Words. Well, I had to, but I had to like do this because I, because you were, I was like so out that I had to, I, I basically the, the teacher who was like after school and that she went back to the beginning of the school year and we had to like retake tests and all this different kind of stuff. And like, wow. Yeah. It's it nice was, of her to do that. Yeah. So, but I ended up making a C in that class and then, um, and then I was done. But then, you know, went, you should have gone back. Did you go back after your mission? And no, like, I didn't. Come with that. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is that whenever I, uh, Whenever I got back from my mission at at school at college where where we were, um, you could test out of <coughs> bless you, you could test out of their Spanish courses. I did that. Yeah, and so basically, you you would take their uh their their highest level Spanish class, which was like a a, a Spanish historical literature class, mm-hmm. and then you could you if you pass that class, then you could basically take the final for all the classes beforehand and i got an a in that class and then i got an a in every every um on every final exam all the way before except for one of them i'm like spanish five or something i got like a b boom uh, roasted yeah and so i got like 15 15 credits of like it was like almost a a, yeah. a, cl- or a cluster or a minor in spanish yeah i did the same thing and yeah, so was great. um but it was kind of cool just to it's it goes to that same thing is that desire and emotion play such a huge part in it. Because in high school, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then whenever I knew I was going to, to, to South America, and then I knew that it was either a sink or swim situation, it was like, okay, I want to do this. My emotion is in it. 
and and I did it. So also when you're in that place and you're like, if I want to go to the bathroom, I better sure as heck learn how to say this. Or if I want to eat something, or if I want to actually make my time here worth it and actually be able to talk to people, especially especially when you're with someone. I mean, it's just being in that environment is so much more encouraging than just like in a high school class. You're like, is it is the hour over yet? Because I'm going to leave and go to a different class. Yeah. So uh, living a, a mentally active lifestyle, uh, learning a language, and, and you know, obviously, you could be, you could try to be fluent in a language, or you could just learn enough to be communicative and talk with somebody. Um, learning an instrument, pushing yourself, uh, memorizing quotes or scriptures is a huge thing. Uh, reading, um, like we talked a little bit about reading before, but those are all things that you can do um, to to improve or, or to basically prevent protect your cognitive decline. Yeah, yeah cognitive you, decline. You know what is interesting about like people who live super long is that they are constantly a lot of them work. They work until they die because uh, well, they work uh, and then when they stop working until they're they, not able, they, tip, yeah. they typically die because their mind is engaged in that work and they're constantly engaged because when you were just like waking up and just watching a history channel every morning like your 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 mind is not being exercised, and so it declines because it doesn't have that purpose. So, uh, working towards a, a goal is uh, working towards something is really helps with longevity. Yeah. So there are certain like memory apps that you can get that um, that say that they're going to help train your brain to remember things. I think one of them is like Lumosity or something like that. Um, there's other ones. They say that oh, increasing caffeine consumption can help you focus, which can improve your, in, increase your your memory or improve your memory. There's lots of different things, but uh, I think memory is it's just like a muscle. Uh, it, it gets it grows stronger with use, and mental exercises keep you sharp, and it can um, just keep your your skills and your memory tone. So um, you know, just constantly using it is something that 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 uh, helps so I, I had put a quote together here yeah. um, and it kind of goes right goes right into that it says uh, when we become comfortable we lose our edge but we can get it back by pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone so specifically when you're talking about memory you know it's like if I'm just are you really helping your memory out if you're just I don't know vegging out on the on Netflix every single day. Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe that's not hurting your memory, but it's not helping you particularly. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you're watching like documentaries on statistics or something. Yeah. Um, on Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say earlier. I remembered it talking about memory. Um, this is a story, um, that, that's really interesting. So uh, we, we watched a, uh, uh, documentary on the Unabomber. I don't know. Did you watch that documentary? I haven't seen. So that there's one, a documentary on no. Unabomber, and basically everybody knows that um, that character sketch that of the Unabomber with the hood up and his glasses, right? Yeah. Um, and the in this documentary, basically they explain that that character sketch that they used was not the original sketch. So the original sketch looked completely different. And then the FBI, 10 years later, went back to the lady that gave the original sketch, and they had her give her her witness again. And they had the person... 10 years later? 10 years later. They had, the, they had her do the sketch again. And um, 
I think it was 10. I'm pretty sure it was 10, but it was years later. They had her go back and with a new sketch artist and tell us about this guy, tell us his features and everything else. And that is the sketch that they used for the Unabomber. And the funny thing is, is that the, they held that sketch up to the original guy that that the original caricature artist, not caricature artist, but the uh, the, the, the original the, p- portrait that she portrait had. that she had described. Yeah, it was the second one that she did looked exactly like the police guy who who sketched the first sketch. What? Yeah. So she wasn't remembering the original guy. She was remembering the she time was, when she was giving that sketch. Yes. She was remembering the time she was giving the sketch, and she gave a description of the artist that wrote the the original or the, that drew the original sketch, huh. and they were like uncanny equal. Whenever wow. they showed the the Unabomber sketch and the 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 artist that did the original sketch, and so she wasn't remembering. I mean, and she didn't know. I mean, she was just giving. Why would her... anybody expect anybody to remember a face after that much long? I mean, heck, I, if you asked me to describe someone's face, I, I would be like, I have no idea how to describe that even yeah. to you. Yeah, and then, but it was just, it was so interesting when talking about memory that it just gets so garbled sometimes, and it's it's so easily influenced by, and subconsciously too. This lady didn't know, but but just the the face of the guy who was the original artist was with threw off the whole thing. So yeah, that was interesting. interesting. But yeah. yeah, whenever we whenever we just settle and we, we get comfortable, like you said, whenever we stop working, whenever we start stop pushing ourselves, then then we start we start to lose it. And you can get that back. You just have to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. Engage yourself. What does the scripture say? Re- remain anxiously engaged in a good, good cause, cause. Right. Yeah. So my quote is long term and short term memory are temporary unless because they both fade with time, unless we bring them back. Let me let me start over. Long term and short term memory are temporary, unless we bring back the memory in our minds and reestablish its importance regularly through through holidays, anniversaries, birthdays, celebrations. Let us remember, reminisce on the important events in our lives, so that we can remember them forever. Cool. So, yeah, it's just bring those things back out and polish them off. Yeah. I think it's, I think one of the good thing is too, is talk about them. Like, you know, actually bring those memories back and, and, and say, Oh, share them you, with your kids. Do you remember when? And my wife is excellent at this, but take pictures when you can. I mean, she, she, she was going through some pictures of when, you know, when we were first married and it was like, Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I mean, before we were even engaged or actually when we were engaged, like six months before we got married, we, um, drove from, from, uh, Arizona to to Idaho and um I saw pictures from that trip and I had completely forgotten about it but then I just saw pictures and I was like I immediately remembered it like oh I remember that yeah that was a fun trip we talked about this we talked about that and so So sometimes my wife and I on our anniversary we like to remember back like okay what was our last anniversary what was the one before that so we remember back to I think this year we're on like 11 or 12 I mean I think Maybe, yeah, so it's like we remember back every anniversary and like, oh, what were we doing then? And it's kind of fun to do that and just remember the fun times that we've had because it's an event. It's an eventful thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been great. I, I think I mean, memory is just such an interesting thing, and everybody sees it differently. Um, but heck, it's it's important. I, I for me, it was kind of a call to action for me to say I need to I need to start doing better. You know, if if my 
kids are memorizing something for church or whatever else, maybe maybe I should memorize it too, just to kind of push myself or, uh, I don't know, Yeah, read out loud more. Yeah, totally. Or not, so you can read faster. <laughs> or not. <laughs> you guys start somewhere. <laughs> Hey, I already I changed my my post-it note strategy. So uh, yeah, <laughs> to OneNote, right? I use OneNote. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, well, thank you everyone for for joining today, and appreciate you listening. Um, again, please uh, you follow us on Instagram, uh, and we post some interesting stuff there. We post clips from the things, we post quotes, we post other things. Uh, we kind of post some pictures of our lives occasionally, uh, just some videos, sometimes some funny stuff. So uh, definitely follow us and. We let to hear back from you. We, we want to hear your thoughts and your impressions on the episode, what we thought was funny or what you thought was interesting or, or suggestions for other episodes. So Yeah, and if you're not on Instagram, I know some of you aren't. Uh, everybody's on Facebook. Uh, you can search A Brother's Creed on Facebook as well, and everything that we post on Instagram gets pushed over to Facebook so you can get those notifications as well. Absolutely. And you're on YouTube. We have 25 subscribers. Boom. Yeah, moving so, up. Subscribe on YouTube as well. We post a lot of videos on there from the uh uh, from the podcast and so yeah you can see our pretty faces so. all right well thanks guys for listening let's build that creed together all right